Okay, the title of my message today is Bride Get Ready. Amen. Bride, we are called the bride. We are, we are the bride of Christ. And with the title of the message, you can understand what the message is all about. Bride, get ready. God is calling us to get ready. Amen. With the current situation that we are watching on the TV, on the news, and we ourselves are experiencing, especially with the COVID that has shook the nations all around the world to its core, bringing the economy, uh, the political system, the educational system, everything has collapsed, including the healthcare has collapsed, and everything has been brought down to its knees across the world. And now with the war between Israel and Palestine and the rumors of war with Iran and the recent violation of the nuclear deal by Iran, I mean, these all shows that we are living in the end times. Amen. There is no peace in the world because the world has rejected its creator time and again. Recently, I got the news that the president of France has passed a law that everyone who doesn't get vaccinated cannot go and buy groceries, cannot buy anything. And what does it show? It shows the coming of the mark of the beast. And it's already mentioned in the Bible that this will be the mark of the beast and without the mark of the beast, you cannot buy or sell. So what does it show? All these things that are happening, the earthquakes that have happened, the COVID, the plague that has brought down so many nations to a point of collapse and all the chaos and the earthquakes, all the volcanoes and so much of disruption around the world. This is the shaking that God is shaking the nations to get right for the coming of his son is so close. Amen. The shaking is not only for the nations, but the shaking has taken place even in many churches across America and across the world. Many of us have lost our loved ones to COVID. Many of us have lost our jobs to COVID. Many of us have lost our homes. And the list goes on and on and on. Why is this happening? Because God is doing this to get our attention. It's a wake-up call. Amen. COVID is a wake-up call. The collapse, the economic collapse across the world is a wake-up call. God is doing this to get our attention because the church is sleeping. The world is sleeping and also the church is still sleeping. It says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, It was God's desire to display his wisdom in his rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the world. I mean, so let's go to Galatians, I'm sorry, Ephesians. <clears throat> Let me read that out again. Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 10 and 11. It says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So that was God's desire, as is mentioned in, the, in, the, in this chapter, that he wanted to use the church to display his glory, to display his wisdom. Church was called to be the solution to all the problems in the world. Amen. All the problems in our country, church is called to be the solution. It's not the government. 
that can solve the problem in our country. It's the church is the problem, is the, I'm sorry, the solution to the problems in our nation. A church on its knee praying day and night for the leaders, for the nation can solve many problems. Unfortunately, the church is still sleeping. That is the reason we are, there's so much of chaos going on in our city. The number of uh, you know, police uh, and shootings and the shootings in the schools have increased drastically this week. Why is this happening? Because the church is still sleeping. That is the reason God is sending this shaking to take place in our lives to wake us up. Not only in the church but in our personal life, God is sending this shaking to wake us up. God is calling his bride, the church, to get ready. I mean, he's calling the church his bride to get ready. But unfortunately, many of us are still not ready. It is very important to know that Jesus is not coming for the whole world. Amen. He's not coming for the whole community of believers. He's not coming for your whole family. But he's coming only for those who are ready and waiting for him. Amen. He's, he's coming for his true bride who is dressed in white waiting for him. Amen. So Christ is not coming for the whole world because the whole world has already rejected Christ again and again. He's coming only for his bride, those who are dressed in white and waiting for him. It's not for the whole family either. Amen. It says, now what are the qualities of a bride that Christ is coming for? What are the qualities of actually a good bride that a man would love to go for, to marry? Amen. These are the quality, four qualities. Amen. The first, she is a virgin. Amen. Virgin, she's undefiled by the sins of the world. She has been guarding her virginity for her bridegroom. Amen. That's one of the quality of a bridegroom. If, if, if I'm sorry, a, 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 a bride. But if you see a bride sleeping around while she's waiting for her bridegroom, she's not considered a virgin. Amen. She's considered an adulterous woman. Right. So she's guarding herself for her bridegroom. So is the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ is guarding herself for her bridegroom. Amen. That's the quality Christ is looking for in his church when he's calling the church his bride. Amen. That she's not defiled by the sins and the pollutions of the world around us. Second quality, she is dressed in white. Now what does white represent? White represents purity. White represents holiness. Amen. So she is undefiled. And second, she's pure and holy. There's holiness in her life. There's holiness in her talk. There's holiness in her, in her, in her mind. Everything about her is pure and holy. Amen. The third quality, she is well prepared. She is well prepared. She's ready. Amen. She's dressed well and she's prepared and she is ready. Fourth quality. She's waiting. Amen. She's waiting. And these are the four qualities that Christ is looking in his bride. Because bride is his church. Amen. Christ is calling us that bride. The church is his bride. It says in Ephesians chapter 5 verses from 25 to 27. It says for husbands the, this means love your wives 
just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Amen. Christ is saying that Christ loved the church. He not only loved the church, he gave up his life for the church. He went on the cross to show his love for the church. Verse 26, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Verse 27, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Amen. So why did Christ go on the cross? Why did he shed his blood? First, to show his love for his church and second, to make her holy. The reason he went on the cross was to forgive her for sins. Our sins are forgiven because of the blood of Christ. Amen. So he's saying to make her holy. Her sins are forgiven so she's holy and she's clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Not only we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, but also we are cleansed by his word. What is the word? The Bible. Amen. So that is the reason he went on the cross to show his love for his bride. And he did this, verse 27, to present herself to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she would be holy and without fault. Amen. So he has prepared her in such a way that she will, he will not find any spot of sin in her, in, her, in her life. That she will not have any wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she'll be holy without fault. So that's kind of uh, that kind of uh, bride that Christ is coming for. He's not coming for the whole world. He's not coming for the whole church. He's coming for the bride who is dressed and waiting and prepared. Amen. Dressed in holiness, in purity. It says in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse fifteen. It says he died for everyone. That means Christ died for everyone. So that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves, but will live for God. Amen. The second reason why Christ went on the cross very clearly says that those who receive this new life, when you accept Christ, you are a new person. And those who receive this new life in Christ will no longer live for themselves, but will live for God. Amen. That was the reason why Christ came to give his life so that we live for him, not for the pleasures of this world, not for our selfishness. I mean, we are called to show the love of Christ to people around us. We are called to be the light to the world because this light in us will expel the darkness in the world. It has the power to expel the darkness in our family. It has the power to dis uh, dispel, uh, expel all the sin and the darkness in our community, in our neighbor, in our church. Amen. So we are called to be that light. Amen. Now the question is, are we that bride that Jesus is coming for? We have to question ourselves. We need to analyze ourselves. Because very clearly Jesus has warned the church in Laodicea about the spiritual condition. Amen. Revelation, the book of Revelation talks about the end time churches. He has spoken to seven different churches and one church being Laodicea. And he's talking to the church, condition of the church in this city. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3 and verses from 15 and 16. Okay, this is what the Lord Jesus is telling 
to the church in Laodicea, saying, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are a lukewarm, water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Amen. So this is what the Lord is telling. Because you are not neither hot nor you are cold, I am going to spit you out. God is not coming for lukewarm Christians, church. We need to remember that. Amen. We need to remember that He is coming for Christians who are on fire for Him. He is coming for Christians who have not watered down their life in the pleasures of this world. Who are always on fire for God. Who are hot. That's what he's saying. Either be hot or be cold. If you're lukewarm in between. One step in the church. One step in the world. I'm going to spit you out. That's how serious Christ is, is warning this church. And many people. They try to water down. What Jesus is saying. And try to say that he's a gracious God. He's a long suffering. Of course he's a long suffering God. He's a gracious God. But that, that doesn't mean. That we can continue living in sin. And still be going to church. Amen. Because he's not coming for that kind of people. Looking at the number of empty chairs. And the number of people. Who are so few on the conference. It clearly shows that many of us are still sleeping. Like the foolish virgins. Many of the Christians. If you see the number of empty chairs here. And the number of people on the conference. Itself shows that we are still sleeping. Today is the day to worship the Lord. God has called us to keep the Sabbath day holy. God has called us to keep the Sunday, to worship Him, to spend time in His presence. Because that pleases God. Amen. When you are in love with God, you will do things that please God. Amen. But we are not. And that shows the condition of the church. We are still sleeping like the foolish virgins that Christ was talking about. He was referring to. To the foolish virgins that shows the condition of the church. If we yeah, let, Let's go to Matthew 25 and see what the Lord is telling about the foolish virgins. Matthew 25 and verses 1 to 13. He's saying that the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were arose, roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some oil, some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. 
Amen. So this is what the Lord is telling to his disciples. He's giving the example of the foolish brides, the foolish virgins. And it, that's the condition of the church. If you see all the ten brides were waiting for the bridegroom. The only difference with the five of them were well prepared. They had extra oil for their lamp to be burning all through the night till the bridegroom came. Whereas the rest of the five were not prepared. They didn't have enough oil and they fell asleep while they were waiting. And when the bridegroom came, the ones who were ready, the ones who were prepared with extra oil, were, were got in with the bridegroom. Whereas the foolish ones, they got up and they said, Oh my gosh, we don't have enough oil. And they went and asked the wise virgins, Can you please give us some of your oil? And it was too late. And the bridegroom closed the door. And the foolish virgins just said, Oh, please help us. And he said, I'm sorry, I never knew, I, I don't know you. That is what is going to happen in the end times. That is the condition of the church. Two different types of, two categories of Christians. The one, the wise virgins who are prepared with extra oil. What is the extra oil? It's the Holy Spirit. The lamp is the power of the Holy Spirit that is working in your life. Amen. So they were prepared. They were dressed in. The common thing between them was they were all virgin. That means they were undefiled. They were guarding themselves for the bridegroom. All of them had the same quality. Second, they were all dressed in white. They were dressed in purity and holiness, leading a clean life. But the third part was they were not prepared. The only difference between the, the two groups of virgins was they were not prepared. One was prepared and the other five were not prepared. So you might be leading a good life. You might be going to church. You might be leading a clean life. Amen. You might be leading a holy life dressed in white. But if you are not prepared church like the foolish virgins, you will lose your right standing before God. And Christ, when bridegroom comes, he says, I'm sorry, I don't know you. Amen. So we have to be careful that we don't fall into the category of the foolish virgins where God has to close the doors on us. Amen. I received a Facebook post on my Facebook page about a guy when I posted about the coming of the Lord. He put, posted a nasty text. He's saying that something happens in the news. People get excited and they keep saying Christ is coming. But uh, it's all nonsense to me. Christ has never come and I don't think he will ever come this early, this soon. And I texted him the scripture from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 and 15. Let's go there. 3 and verse 9. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise. As some people think, No, He is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Amen. That's the reason the coming of the Lord is, is taking so long. He's delaying it. Why? Because He doesn't want any one of us to be destroyed. He wants everyone to come to repentance because if he comes tonight, none of the churches are ready to be raptured with him. None of us are ready. That's the reason God is so gracious that he's giving us time to repent. And says the same chapter, verse 15, and remember our Lord's patience 
gives people time to be saved. Amen. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 15 is saying, Peter is telling, the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what a, so his, his delaying is because he's giving us time. Amen. He's giving us time to get right with him before it's too late. So we have to be grateful to God for that. And that's the condition of many Christians like this man who was posting me that, you know, we can relax. There's nothing going on. People are making a big issue out of this. But the Lord is coming. And that's the condition of many Christians. They're all sleeping. Many churches are sleeping just like this man. Amen. But remember, when Christ comes tonight, we're not prepared. We're going to be like the foolish virgins. But Christ will come and close the door. Though we might be dressed in white, though we might be uh, undefiled, but if you're not keeping yourself prepared with your lamps filled and your lights burning, you're going to lose meeting Christ. Amen. It says in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 4 to 5, it says, it's talking about this church in Sardis. Amen. Now Christ is giving a message to the church in Sardis. And this is what it says in Revelation chapter 3 verses 4 to 5. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase the names from the book of life, but I will announce before my father and his angels that they are mine. Amen. He's telling about the condition of the church in Sardis. This is a different church. I talked about the church in Laodicea. Now I'm talking about the church in Sardis. So he's happy. But some, not all, look at, look at the scripture very closely. Verse 4. There are some in the church in Sardis that have not soiled their clothes with evil. There are some. That means it's not the whole church. It's talking about few number of people that have not soiled their clothes. They have not defiled their life with the things and the pollutions and the sins of the world. Amen. With the evil, they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. God is calling them worthy because they are, they are leading a clean life. And verse 5. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. All who are victorious. Only those who are victorious, church. There's a condition. We say that God is a gracious God, but we forget that God is also a conditional God. He's saying that only those who are victorious will be clothed in white. Amen. What do you mean by only those who are victorious? Only those who have achieved victory over sin. In their life through their faith in Christ. Amen. That's a condition. You will achieve victory over sin when you have faith and trust in Christ. When you're grounded in Christ. Why do I say that? If you go to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. It says, For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. Very clearly he's saying that if you, if you want to defeat this evil world and we can achieve this victory only through our faith. Amen. Only through our faith in Christ do you receive salvation 
And secondly, only through your faith in Christ you can receive, you can achieve victory over this evil world. You can defeat the evil world through your faith in Christ. Amen? So you're going to be victorious through the, your faith in Christ. And that is what God, God is saying. That those who are victorious are the ones who will walk with me. And their names will be written in the book of life. Amen. Uh, I remember a couple of days back, one of my sisters, she called me. And she asked me to pray for her son who, who is uh, going to be doing a jail time. He was caught shooting. And uh, she was asking me to pray. And I told her sister, tell your son to be faithful to God. To, you know, grow strong in the Lord. To put his faith in God. Not to put his faith in the attorney. A man, you cannot put your trust in a man. Amen. You can only put your trust in God because God never disappoints. And God already gave him a promise that he is not going to do the jail time. He already gave him a word through one of my sisters, through a word of prophecy, that he doesn't want this child behind the bars. God doesn't want any of us uh, to go through that because he has great plans for every one of us. You'll find that in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I have plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I mean, so that's the plan that God had given for the son. But unfortunately, he's not growing strong. In the Lord. That's the reason he's trusting. Though he's going to church. Though he's praying. But still if your trust is in the man. More than in God. You're not going to win your battle. Because only in God. You can win your battle. Exodus chapter 14 verse 14 says. God will fight your battle. You stay calm. This is what the Lord was telling the Israelites. When they were facing the enemy. He's clearly telling them. You guys don't have to fight. Just be calm. I will go and fight the battle. Amen. What do you mean by staying calm? You cannot stay calm when there is a chaos in your life. But you can stay calm when you have your faith in God. When your roots are grounded deep in God. And you have full faith and confidence in God that He will not disappoint your prayers. That He will not uh, fail you. If you have that faith, He will fight your battle. That's what His word says. I will fight your battle. You stay calm. Amen. That shows that God has authority. That shows that I can do it. Is what God is telling the Israelites. Amen. And God was giving the same uh, scripture. The same word to the son. That God will go and fight your battle. You have to stay calm. How can you stay calm? When your faith is in Christ. Because Jesus clearly said. I have come to give you peace. I have left a gift. The world cannot give you the peace of mind. Amen. Christ is called the Prince of Peace. So when your faith is strong in the Lord, He will give you that peace, even in the times of tribulation and in the times of chaos. And He's going to go and fight our battles. We don't have to do anything. Amen. We have to just trust in the Lord and wait upon Him. Amen. It talks, if you uh, go to Hebrews chapter 11, the whole chapter talks about all the heroes of faith. Amen. Whether it's Abraham, Noah, all the way to Moses. It talks about their faith and how they have achieved victory and have done great exploits. And have received a good reputation all because of their faith. Amen. <clears throat> faith always goes opposite to fear. 
Faith is something we don't see, but we know that it's going to happen because God is doing it. Amen. Look at the faith of Abraham. He waited for 100 years, but he knew all the time when he was waiting that God is a promise-keeping God and God blessed him. Nothing is impossible with God, church. Amen. <clears throat> if you look at the faith of David, he was able to go and fight the big giant Goliath because of his faith in God. Amen. So that's the kind of faith because only through faith, that's what he's telling, only through faith you will receive victory over this world. And those who are victorious will walk with Christ and their names will be written in the book of life. Amen. Hebrews chapter 7, <clears throat> I'm sorry, verse 11. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 7, uh, uh, 11 and verse 7. It says, <clears throat> Hebrews 11, 7 says, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Amen. So how did God say, I mean, what helped Noah to save his family was his faith in God. The whole world was destroyed. But only Noah and the eight members in his family were saved. Why? Because of his faith in God. Because of his trust in God. Amen. And, it's, and if you see that many people, that it says that he condemned the world. He was not only being obedient to God with full faith in God, while he was building the ark, people were laughing at him. People were mocking at him. People were jeering at him. That there's something wrong with Noah, that he's lost his mind, that he's building a ship. And we don't see any rain. We don't see any flood. But they forgot that already God was going to do it. God already gave that word to Noah and Noah warned them. Noah was warning them to get ready to prepare yourselves to repent for the flood is coming and everyone of you are going to be destroyed. But they were laughing and mocking at Noah. And it says it's going to be the same in the coming days when the entire world will be laughing. Laughing at the children of God who have received the word from God. To prepare ourselves for the flood is coming. Amen. So Noah received this victory and was saved. Not only him, but the whole family was saved because of his faith in God. Amen. So the situation was the same in the time of Noah. People were laughing. People were mocking. They were enjoying. They were having parties. They were getting married. And you know they were enjoying their life while Noah was busy building his ship his ark and people were enjoying their life but suddenly the flood waters came and destroyed everyone the problem was those people were not willing to repent Noah was telling them to repent to repent to get right with God and that is what many Christians are doing right now that's the same condition right now many are still busy living in the world enjoying the pleasures of this world the number of empty chairs and the number of people on the conference which tell us that we are still living in the world and we are still sleeping. And we are here we are, we are telling, us, telling them to repent. And they are not willing to listen. 
Why are they not willing to listen? Is because they don't like the word repent. Repent has become like a curse word in the present generation. They can't stand the word repent. Many people in our church have left the church because our pastor has called them to repent of their sins and they have left the church because the word repent has become like a curse word for them. And they forget that the first thing Christ preached was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Remember that the first thing Jesus preached was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. <clears throat> the first thing John the Baptist preached was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The first thing Jeremiah the prophet preached was repent. The first thing Isaiah preached was repent. The whole Bible is full of repentance. And, I can, and it goes on and the list goes on and on and on. Amen. Because we need to understand that without repentance, there is no revival. Amen. Without repentance, there is no forgiveness of sin. Without repentance, there is no transformation in our situation and in our life. Without repentance, there is not, there's not going to be any healing. Without repentance, there is no deliverance of addictions. Amen. Some of us are suffering with addictions. Some of us are suffering in our finances. Some of us are suffering in our health. Some of us are suffering in our marriages. Amen. It will never change until we repent. Amen. We have to repent. Once we repent, there's a transformation that takes place in our life. Amen. There's a transformation that takes place in our situations. There's a transformation that takes place in our families, in our finances, in every area of our lives. But it all starts with repentance. Amen. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses from 16 to 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses from 16 to 18. It says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. So he's telling, so when someone turns to the Lord, it all depends on your turning to the Lord. Amen. So he's saying that whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Amen. What is this veil? It's the veil of deception. The deception that we are living, what we are doing is fine. God is okay with that. Amen. God loves us, you know, no matter what sin we commit. God is a gracious God. God will, you know, His grace covers our sins so we can continue living in sin. That is a deception. And many people have said, said to me, once saved is always saved. That is not true. If it was true, then Jesus wouldn't have said in Mark chapter 13, verse 13. He said, those who endure till the end will be saved. Only those who endure till the end will be saved. So once saved, always saved is not true. It's a deception. And that's how Satan has been deceiving many Christians to think that way, that I'm saved already. I can continue living in sin. I can continue not going to church because I'm, I've been baptized in the water. So, you know, I don't have to go to church. God loves me. God is a gracious God. But it's not true. We can lose our salvation. Very clearly he's saying that in Mark chapter 13 verse 13. Very clearly he's saying that those who endure till the end <clears throat> will be saved. And if you go to Hebrews chapter 
11 and verse uh, uh, I'm sorry chapter 10 and verse 26 to 27 he says dear friends if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins Verse 27, there is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. Amen. <clears throat> so he's telling us, if we deliberately continue sinning, after you have received the knowledge of the truth, <coughs> then there is no more sacrifice left to cover our sins. That's a dangerous place to be, church. That's a very dangerous place to be. Because you're not covered anymore by the blood of Jesus. If you continue, continue living in sin, I mean, if you, if you remember the parable of the woman caught in adultery was brought before Christ. And Jesus said, I forgive you for all the sins you committed all through your life. I forgive you, but sin no more. That's the last part that many Christians don't seem to take it seriously. Christ is telling, sin no more. This is done. This is, this is it. I've forgiven all your sins. But from today, from, from this moment... Don't be sinning anymore. Amen. Again, he told to the leper when he healed him. And then he said, I have healed you from this leprosy, uh, from this uh, problem that you're facing. But don't go back to your sin. Because if you go back to sin, something worse may happen. Amen. Something worse will happen, church, if we continue living in sin. It can affect our health. It can affect our finances. It can affect our marriage. It can affect our children. It, it will affect our walk with God. And down the line, it's going to affect our salvation. And eventually, we'll lose our salvation. Amen. And when Christ comes, I'm telling you, He's not coming, as I said. He's not coming for such Christians who are lukewarm. He's coming for people who are fired up for Christ. And waiting, prepared, like the wise virgins. Amen. So he's telling us, don't be fool like the foolish virgins who didn't endure till the end. Amen. They didn't endure till the end. They fell asleep. But those who were the wise virgins, they were enduring till the end. And they were taken in. Amen. Matthew chapter 7 verse 14 says, talks about the narrow way and the broad way. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7 verses from 14 to 15. It says, but the gate of life, I'm sorry, it's verse 13 and 14. It says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few find it. I mean, Jesus is clearly telling us that there are two ways. The broad way, which many people prefer to go. It's a, it's, a, it's a way where you don't have to carry your cross. It's a way where you can enjoy the pleasures of the world and still go to church, expecting everything is fine. And many are being deceived and going in the broad way. And he's saying, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. Amen. It's very narrow and it's difficult. It's narrow because you have to crucify your flesh. That's the reason Christ told 
as disciples, if you are truly my disciple, you carry the cross. You should be willing to carry your cross every day. What do you mean by carrying your cross? It's crucifying your flesh. So it's, it's narrow and it's difficult and only a few find it. Amen. We have to be that few church that will find Christ. We have to prepare for our eternity because the coming of the Lord is so close and the church is still sleeping. Amen. He's telling in Revelation chapter 3 verse 5, he's talking to the church in Sardis that they have achieved victory. They are the ones who will walk with me. They have achieved victory and they are the ones who are going to walk with me and their names will be written in the book of life. Amen. So we have to strive towards that victory each and every day of our life. Amen. Because our salvation is at stake if we continue living in sin. Amen. First Peter chapter 1 verse 17 he says uh, he will judge or reward you according to what you do. So live in reverent fear of him during your time as temporary residents. Amen. I'm going to close with this last scripture. First Peter 1.17 is telling he will judge and reward us. We have to give an account of how we lived our life on the day of judgment and he's going to reward us. Either he's going to judge us or he's going to reward us. It all depends on how you live this life. Amen. Live in reverential fear of God. Amen. That's what Peter is telling. Live in fear of God. Amen. Keep your lamps burning. Keep your Holy Spirit burning. Amen. Keep your uh, oil fully prepared. The foolish virgins, they were not prepared. They didn't have enough oil. And their lamps died out. And that's the condition of many Christians. The lamps are died out. The Holy Spirit is no more. Because it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, I believe it says that don't quench the Holy Spirit. If you're living in sin, if you're living in disobedience to God, you will quench the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, it says in Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. By actions and behaviors, we sometimes grieve the Holy Spirit. So we have to be careful, church, that we don't quench the Holy Spirit and don't allow <coughs> the pleasures of this world more important take, taking the place of God because the foolish virgins were sleeping so God is calling us to wake up for his coming the bride coming of the bridegroom is very close and is telling us to be prepared and waiting amen so that's the message that the Lord has given I believe is going to be a blessing to all the listeners and those on the conference